It's a bad sign for you when I got a piece of paper. You know that, right? It means either it was too long, right, for me to memorize, or it means my brain's a bag of cats today. Uh, it's a little both. Uh, but what I want to do is walk us through this gospel a bit because there's something so challenging and redemptive at the core of it that we often miss because there's two parts of this story that we tend to mix up with other parts that look like them. For example, when they were walking and talking along the way, they were discussing who was the greatest. And ever since I was a kid, if I remember right, and Lord knows, because kids, right? But I always remember priests talking about how awful it was that they were discussing amongst themselves who among them is the greatest. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that at all. They were discussing who's the greatest, namely in a time when the Roman Empire was in crazy turmoil, or just actually coming out of it. This was an important question. Uh, there is a point where they start talking who among them is the greatest and Jesus chews them out. But in this one, he doesn't. What are you talking about? We're talking about who's the greatest. Oh, well, here's the greatest. It's the person who welcomes a little child. So the first thing to remember, and I, and I dig this about our God, and it's a very minor point, Everything in our lives can point us toward him. Isn't that nuts? Even our sin. I mean, that's dominance. That's like MSU over Miami yesterday kind of dominance, which is referenced in Revelations. We can talk about that another time. But God's dominance over sin is so complete that he can even use sin to teach us about him. How cool is that? And how beautiful would our lives be if every once in a while when that weird thing happens where we're like, what was that? I'll ask God, what can I learn about you from this? But the thing I want to look at today starts a little bit dark, and I hope you'll stick with me. My first communion, my godmother, Aunt Sally, and her husband, Uncle Tom, gave me this plaque. And it was this scripture, Jesus with a little kid sitting on his lap and a bunch of kids around him. And here was the thing, these were very clean children. Yeah, in the picture, they were all white Americans, the only ones in the Middle East at the time. Uh, it was weird and they were all in one spot. But there they were, sitting with Jesus, shiny rosy cheeks. Jesus had the helpful glow. We knew which one was him. Thank you. And it's easy to reduce this to a very cute thing. Oh, look, Jesus with a little squeaker on his lap. And of course that's cute. But that's not what childhood was. I'm gonna read you uh, fairly to partly cloudy, awful section from a book by a couple historians that I'm fans of. And what they're looking at is, in the time of Jesus, in the place where the story happened, what was childhood? Okay. 
the American projections of innocent, imaginative, and delightful, sweet little clean children playing at the knees of a gentle Jesus notwithstanding, childhood in antiquity was a time of sheer terror. The infant mortality rate was over 30%. If you take then the children who lived, 30% were dead by age six. 60% dead by age 13. Childhood and children, children always suffered first. They suffered from starvation, from war, disease, lawlessness, dislocation. Most children did not make it to adulthood. The orphan was the stereotype of the weakest and most vulnerable member of society. Childhood was a time of sheer terror. Survival to adulthood was quite literally a cause of celebrations. The Jews and the Romans of this day created rites of passage to celebrate the fact that a child lived to 13 years old. Children had no status in community. A minor child was equated to a slave. And only after reaching maturity could that person be considered to have a job and receive pay for it. To be called a child was a grievous insult. This isn't to say they weren't loved and valued. In addition to assuring the continuity of the family, their hard work could bring extra food. And the fact that they might make it to adulthood told the parents they could eat in their old age. Holy cow. And that's dark, and I'm kind of sorry to read it to us, but I want us to get a sense of what it means when Jesus says, if you want to welcome me, you have to welcome a child. That for you and I who want to love Jesus, and if you're here, again, I assume you do. If you don't, you, you should find another hobby, really. Yeah, I, then we need to work at changing how we welcome, who we welcome, what we welcome. I think I've been hitting this a little hard in the last month, but to be honest, I almost feel like the Gospels are making me do it. But this idea that this is a place for the broken, this is not a place for the righteous. This is a place where anyone should be able to walk in that door and know that this is their home too. Whether we think it's good that they're here or not is quite irrelevant. Jesus thinks it's good that they're here. What I'm gonna ask us to do this week, and I promise I'm gonna do the same, this really kicked my tail, it did, is I'm gonna think about who was most vulnerable in our society? Who is the weakest, the most disposable? And then start praying about, well, how do we get them here? Not to get points for growing our church, I hate that, but because it's right, because it's what we're called to do. One of the things in, in <laughs> as a priest, Right now, like the last eight years, there's been all of these programs 
where you can grow your parish. Do you know about these? They're awful. Um, you can pay money for people to come in and tell you how to make your parish bigger. That's ego. It doesn't matter if we get bigger. What matters is if we're holy. What matters is if we're faithful. And there are days where we will grow because we're holy and faithful. And there are days where we will shrink because we are holy and faithful. But I think it's important for us to start considering that, that beautiful work we do for the poor here. And I, I'm telling you guys, this is my, what, 12th and 13th parish, right? This parish in St. Mark are now my 12th and 13th parish. I've been to a few, yeah? I've never seen anything like the beautiful work we do here. Uh, taking care of the poor, helping people with rent, electricity, gas bills, but we can do more. We can always do more because we have more. So I think one of the challenges again for us is to start praying about this. Jesus, how do you want me personally to receive the child in your name? Namely, receive the broken, the vulnerable, the people nobody else wants to deal with. That's how you got me, by the way. Um, you got some Jesus points for it, so you had to. But no, Jesus, how do you want me personally to do that? And then also, Jesus, how do you want our community to do that? How do you want our family right here, this beautiful group of people who love Jesus, how do you want us to welcome the vulnerable, the broken, the disposable, the inconvenient? I don't know the answer yet, but Jesus does, and that's really all we need to know. It's up to us now to be humble and to be open and to ask. And what I hope is that our starting point in this process is a recognition that we're also the broken and the vulnerable. We're the disposable. One of you, and I, I don't want to embarrass her, so I'm not going to say her name, Courtney. Uh, <laughs> wrote this amazing thing. I mean, it stabbed me right in the heart. And, and she wrote, whenever I heard about Jesus and the hundred sheep, you know that parable? Where Jesus says there's a hundred sheep, one of them bugs out, so he leaves those 99 to go find that lost one. She said, you know, I've always dug that, sitting there with the other 99 saying to Jesus, aren't you cool, way to go. And she says, then it hit me. Oh man, I'm the lost one. I'm the one he's out hunting for. That there's a humility we're all called to, to recognize that brokenness in us, not to get sad about it, because it's true of everyone, but instead to recognize that what that pulls out of God is radical compassion and mercy. And so then when we see brokenness, we'll experience that too. Instead of getting mad at people inconveniencing us, or at people not being the type we want here. But to instead say, well, I'm the type nobody wants, and here I am. It'll pull from us the love that we pull from God. So that's what I got today. I think it's a really nice challenge for us. And I think it's a real blessing that God thinks we're ready for this. So let's see what he's got for us. We're going to pray today. Where are, people, where, is, where are people welcoming me, right? Where are people welcoming me 
who are at times inconvenient and messy? Where am I called to welcome others in my personal life in the same way? And where are we called as a family to reach out? Whatever the answer is, it'll help us be saints. And that's what it's all about. Amen? Okay.